We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 237. The Yankees take the series from the Astros. As I was just saying, Scott, they just snatched that game on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Severino came back, shoved the bats down the Astros' throats. Exactly what we needed them to do. This was one of those series that we're going to look back at and say, ooh, that was messy, but I'll take it. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. It was messy, but that's, that's the beauty, and I think that's why... It, it actually affects the Astros in such a way that it's so painful because they knew they had an opportunity to win those first two games. I mean, they should have won the second game, 100%, no doubt. Yankees had zero business winning that game. And then tonight, you know, you, you think on their end, if they're feeling good after winning two, they got Keuchel, maybe a little bit more confidence going against Severino. It was a huge swing, the way that that whole thing went down. Um, and, and, you know, to the to the away to the effect that they lost that game Mm -hmm. that stings and I love that definitely and even though it's only we're not even in June yet and the Yankees and Astros are done playing for the regular season everyone thinks they're going to meet them again in the playoffs Uh, they're going to be one of the last teams standing Yankees are going to be one of the last teams standing so there's a solid four months where we're not going to see the Astros again but the next time the Yankees play them they're going to have the confidence that they beat them what was it uh uh, five out of seven times, right? Yep. And they own their bullpen. 
Their starters are filthy. We know their starters are filthy. No one is hitting Justin Verlander and Cole, who the Yankees actually didn't even see. Um, and, and Charlie Morton has turned into the second coming of, of uh, Roger Clemens, apparently. But, <laughs> but, uh, but at least the Yankees have that confidence. They have that swagger the next time they play them. And like you just said, there's, not, there's some doubt. There's got to be doubt in the Astros after the way they just totally shit away that game on Tuesday. Well, yeah, and I think we're going to be looking at what, you know, obviously now that they're finished, they're not going to be playing each other, so there's not going to be a head-to-head matchup to determine anything. But, you know, as the season's going on and we're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs or, you know, f- situations that, that we're going to start looking at records and how things are going to play out in the playoffs and, you know, uh, God willing, the, the Yankees continue to play well and we're all in this position, but um, we're going to be looking at that record because it's going to be very important. And I know the Yankees did well during the regular season, this year in Houston, but you don't want to go to Houston Mm-mm, for no an extra thanks. game in the playoffs. We saw how that worked. We saw how, how the Yankees played in Houston, and we know damn well what this team is at home at Yankee Stadium. They're a, a different squad. They're they're probably the best home team. I'd, I'd argue they're the best home team um, in the league. The, the Red Sox are probably close as well, but the, the Yankees are right there as far as the way that they play in their own ballpark. So it's important to, to get this, um, you know, to get that home field advantage uh, into the playoffs. There's a lot of things going to be playing for going into the playoffs. Yeah, and that Astros team, that especially their, their Astros offense, seems to be a different thing at home versus on the road. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, they thrive. They do. They thrive at home. There's no doubt about it. Uh, do you think it's kind of stupid? The, the baseball, you play 162 games, and the Yankees are already done with the Astros. They're done with a, uh, They're not going to face you know many teams more than just twice. And not only is it just twice, but it's twice in, in the matter of two, three weeks. Well, I mean that's uh that's why that's what interleague play does for you. You have to go play a whole bunch of other teams in the other league. If you, it was not if the interleague play didn't happen, we'd probably be playing them again. Right. Uh, and you'd have more of those those you know bigger rivalries because you're playing teams longer and and more often um, in the same league or division. And so there's you know there's a give and take with the whole, with the whole um, you know playing the teams in the American League and the National League. You don't you don't build up those those other rivalries as much outside of your own division. So. Yeah, there's a give and take there, but uh, I mean, I, I, I like it, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I like the the whole the whole premise behind the American League not playing the National League the way it used to be. I think that's uh, you know it's it's something to be desired at that point because you don't know what to expect, and you, you just get something similar to that. You know, if if we do face the Astros at some point, we haven't played them in a long time, so it'll be a mystery. So the last time we recorded was after Monday's game, after Verlander shut him down once again, and they come out on Tuesday and maybe the most infuriating first seven innings of a baseball game I've ever watched. (laughs) Just booting from the first pitch. Glaber Torres makes another throwing error. Oh, really? It's going to be one of those nights? And the errors just kept on coming. Uh, The fourth inning wasn't an error, and Duhar falls down on a play that you could have at least gotten one, maybe two outs. That leads to runs. Then there's two throwing errors, and Duhar and CeCe make throwing errors in the fifth inning. Both of those lead to runs. I think CeCe should have gotten two errors on that throw. Right, because he booted the ball on the comeback. (laughs) Sabathia is the worst fielding. I mean, he is... Just put it in your pocket. Yeah, he he's better off just blocking the ball with his gut back to Gary the, Sanchez and let him throw throw the guy. The out. funny thing about that play though is it, it it looked like he had so much confidence and and like he was gonna grab it and do this quick spin throw and get over there. It reminded me of the time when I tried to do when I was playing in an adult basketball league and tried to do a, like a, a spin move for a layup 
And by the time I finished, I was behind the backboard. I was like, damn, damn, that did not go as well as I thought it would, it would be in my head. About 180 through the 360. Yeah, you were like, this I, was a stupid decision, Scott. It was so, it was such slow motion where I, in my brain, I had this like nice, tight, tight little whoop and then, you know, easy layup. But well, that's you know what, what it is. That's it's what it kind of looked like for Sabathia. Sabathia's got that young man mentality. And well, right, he exactly. He's, he's driving that old man body. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's that's why you know the the body did not match what the mind had in in mind, and the ball just took off. Right. Well, what's Andujar's fault? He's got a young body. Glaber Torres got a young body. Sanchez, young body. They all just threw the ball around the ballpark. Sanchez has like a 50 year old body, but he's in a young man's mind. He's he's trapped. Uh, the other guys there. That was a you know a lot of mental lapses. That's that's it. Just young guys not not focusing all the way through a play. Yeah, and uh, it's like. Chicken or the egg, because Sabathia could not pick up um, the errors in the fifth inning. But at the same time, those errors put him in a horrible spot, and the Astros made him play, made him pay. Well, and you know when he's pitching, you don't want to have that many uh, that many opportunities where he he's got to go back out and mm-hmm. pitch around things and pitch throw more pitches because you know we know right now at this point in his career he's throwing more pitches as it is because of the way that he has to approach guys. He's nibbling a little bit more around the around the strike zone. He's not going after anybody. Uh, really, you know, head to head anymore. He's got to throw these pitches. So when you're adding another at bat or another two at bats, I mean, that's a that's a good amount of pitches. That's probably gonna, you know, one error, two errors could could absolutely knock him back another half inning. So it's a big deal when you have CC throwing uh, additional pitches. And you know, for this time, it happened like what? How many errors? There were five official errors on the game. Not five to mention errors. all the other things. I mean, Sanchez threw the ball into center field twice, I think at least. Yeah, uh, and and do our falling. I mean, it was all, it was messy. Yeah. Well, according to Brian Kenny, there would have been no errors, but I I would have actually given out six errors. There were a lot. There were. It was it was just one of those games. You're feeling like it's just not going our way. It's just not going our way. It's just not looking good right now. Charlie freaking Morton, uh, after getting touched up a little early, goes back out and starts starts uh, you know pitching pretty well, and the Yankees are just self destructing on the other side of the ball. And the the 10th inning play with Chapman on the mound, that, w- that was setting up to be another infuriating moment. He can't find the plate. He's throwing 100-mile-an-hour darts in the dirt. He's throwing 100-mile-an-hour darts to the backstop. And it just happens to get a clubhouse kick and bounce right back to Sanchez. Just a cluster of a game, cluster of an inning. It somehow worked out for the Yankees in the end. Well, it was it was pretty ridiculous at that point because... I mean, that's you see Brett Gardner come up and and just, I mean, the clutchest of clutch. That 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 is just a such a big home run in a big situation um, from this guy. And you know now we're seeing Brett Gardner do Brett Gardner things and act like the guy that we uh, kind of expected at this point. But I mean, in that situation, to go up there and and to get that uh, to put up that at bat and put the ball over the uh, over the wall. I mean, just a massive. And then the, the bounce back. I mean, it was a beautiful play. That ball. Hit Gary Sanchez in the glove on the turn. It was perfect. <laughs> it was like it was like the wall. It's like when you're playing pepper with the wall. It was amazing. It really was. Uh, the Yankees, as far as defense goes, it's been ugly the last few days. The five errors obviously doesn't help. So they're now fifth in Major League Baseball in errors with 37. Some of the advanced metrics show that they are a better defensive team. They're seventh in DRS. Um, and then they are 11th in UZR. So they're above the middle of the pack in, in some of the advanced metrics. But the thing that's really frustrating and really annoying, especially on this homestand, is just sort of the mental lapses and, and the, the dumb 
defensive errors. It's not necessarily just the errors. It's the dumb defensive errors that really piss me off. So when you're saying dumb defensive errors, you're saying the ones that were, you know, like Andor clutches a couple times and then throws it lackadaisical uh, from a three-quarter position and it pulls bird off the back like that are you yeah. considering is a dumb and, error at that point yeah and or the two that glaber made is the first play of the game and he made another um kind of rush throw on the first play of the game and then the ball uh i forget what inning it was but it was a chopper up the middle there was yeah. a guy running to second and you could you could see he was thinking am i going to tag this guy am i going to step on the bag am i going to throw to first so so it's sort of like an overthinking error maybe dumb isn't the right word but just overthinking it See, I, I mean, I, I actually had a different take on the last one because on the last one where he was coming up the middle, I looked at that replay a whole bunch of times and people were talking about the fact that he was trying to tag that guy. But if you look, if you watch the replay again, you just keep like looking all the way through. He was trying to come through that ball. It didn't, his, his eyes didn't come off the ball. It didn't look like he was trying to tag it. He just came up too quickly. It's like, he's just rushing things a little bit and, and taking them for granted. Like the ball's already in his glove or on the throw, he's got the time just going to make an easy throw, and then he looks up, and the guy's you know three-quarters of the way down the line, and he's got to rush the throw, and then it's off. It's things like that. It's like the timing of, of the actual play, the speed of the game type of, uh, of things. Are, it seems to be the ones that are getting to him right now, and he's just he's not processing things in a, in a way that's, uh, that, that has really any um, immediacy or emergency to them. I mean, he, he's almost taking them for granted, like that they're going to happen. You know what I mean? So just a little lackadaisical, but I, I really, those, those things to me are just, you know, I think that part of it is speed of the game. I think, you, you know, you're seeing some, some better athletes, obviously in the majors. And, you know, I, I just think he'll clean these things up. I think they're very much young guy errors. Almost seems like he's in a defensive slump. Everyone thinks you can just only go into offensive slumps. Defense never goes goes uh, into a slump, but that I don't think that's true at all. Well, he's still making the the phenomenal plays. It's not like he's not the making phenomenal plays. plays are not anything he needs to think about. Phenomenal plays are instincts and reflexes and, and athleticism, which obviously he has. It's the thinking plays that are getting him in trouble, and I think that could be. Uh, for whatever reason, a, d- a defensive slump. It's almost like uh, I'm not saying he has the yips. That's that's not what I'm saying. But it's almost like that sort of mental thing where Chuck Knobloch throws the ball 19 rows into the stands because he just can't freaking think his way. He's trying to think his way to a throw instead of just using his talent. See, I I, I actually don't agree. I, I don't think that it's. I think that what he's doing right now is literally. It, it's as simple as as thinking taking things for granted. That's it. I, I don't think it's anything. That's more. equally as bad then. I guess, it's just, but I don't think he's meaning to do it. He's just, he's just 21 years old. I'm and not, I'm not he's, mad at him. And I'm he's, because... and, and these things are just, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're happening. But I, I honestly, like I could see right now that when he had such a bad game like that, and then he goes up to the plate and, and hits that base hit, um, you know, knowing that he blocked everything out. That's, that's what's leading me to, to, to know that this kid is just going to put that shit behind him and just go forward and, and figure it out and, and fix it. He's the kind of guy that will fix it fast, very fast. And he won't take those things for granted because he works that hard. And he, he, it means that much to him, I think, to be very good. You know what I mean? He doesn't like, I could, there's one thing I get from him is that he doesn't like disappointing people. He gets very mad at himself. And I think when you do that, then you could start rushing things and start doing like little mental errors. But I, I don't think it's anything having to do with uh, abilities or, you know, even like real mental focus. I just think it's small little, little blips on the radar. 
Well, if you listen to any of his post-game uh, press conferences, which he's getting a lot of lately because he's always in the middle of, of something good, yeah, he always he always just uh, says that he's happy to help out his team and help his teammates. I think it's because he's got a limited vocabulary in English, but I also give him a hell of a lot of credit for doing those post-game interviews in his second language. I think that shows the type of person and, and uh, sort of teammate he wants to be. Bottom line, this kid's going to be very, 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 very good for a long time, and I will take him in any clutch situation at any point. Yeah. And we have many of those guys. That's what I. This is this is this is going. This is an exciting bunch up and down the lineup. So just add another one to the mix of guys that could be very, very good. Nine out of ten rookies, nine out of ten players after the night defensively that Glaber Torres had goes up there in that situation and strikes out because he's down on himself or for whatever the reason. Instead, he he gets the base hit. Second walk-off of the year. We've got some small uh, sample disclaimer clutch stats uh, that I'm going to throw out here, but two outs and runners in scoring position this year. He's 5 for 12 with six RBIs. And then late and close, which sort of just is any obviously any time the game is, I think, seventh inning or later. And uh, a close game, he's 8 for 17 with two homers and seven RBIs. So, the, so far, the clutch numbers are there. Yeah, the stage is not too big for him. That's, that's what this leads me and he loves playing up here. I just I think this kid wants to be great, and I think that you know he's got all the physical ability to do it, and he's in the right spot. So it's it's there's this is exciting to watch him play. Like I love it. I love the what he's wearing number twenty five too. Love it. Just to because you hate Mark Teixeira? No, I love Jim Abbott. I love the number twenty five. <laughs> uh, I also thought it was fitting that Gardner. So the, you had the oldest Yankee. Tying the game, the youngest Yankee winning the game, Gardner. You you kind of mentioned earlier that he is starting to put up the numbers where we expect Gardner to be. He's now ranked second in team offensive war, 1.6. And his WRC plus is 107, which is right where it was last year. I think it was 108 last year. So after everyone wanted to trade him, everyone wanted to bench him to get Clint <laughs> Frazier up, Brett Gardner is exactly where we expect Brett Gardner to be. Well, I don't think, I mean, how many people, raise your hand if you expected Brett Gardner to be second in team offensive war. I, I don't think a lot of people even had him that high. So when you see, when you see numbers like that, you're, you're, you're surprised. But, you know, he's, he's been putting together uh, a good week, week and a half of baseball. And, you know, we're seeing this guy getting back. And he's still doing the things, even when he was slumping. And we've talked about this. Like, I feel like a, a freaking broken record. But I'll say it again. He, even when he's slumping, he's getting on base. He's working the count. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's doing the things he needs to do defensively. So even in a slump, uh, similar to what Judge does, even when they're not hitting, they're contributing. Whether it's on defense, uh, on the base pass, with good long at-bats, they're still helping out. I mean, this is uh, the important cog in this Yankees lineup. Would you have played him today against Keuchel, even the lefty-lefty matchup, instead of Hicks? Sort of ride the hot hand? Because when we've seen Gardner get hot, doesn't matter who's out there throwing, he just gets hot. Yeah, I probably would have played him instead of Hicks. I just don't think Hicks is. I mean, what, what did we say he was hitting against right-handed bats? Not what we expected him to hit, right? Like or uh, left-handed against pitching. lefties, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When he's batting right-handed, he was. He's been struggling. So yeah, I don't. I don't really see a massive upgrade there. Uh, that's a, a pure righty-lefty thing. But I don't know. When you get a guy like Brett Gardner who's going as hot as he is. Um, you know, you can you can make that change and, and you could put him in center field. It's not like you need to put him out in left. You could still get another uh, right-handed bat in there. I definitely would have played Gardner because the the conversation, the question in Boone's mind was Gardner or Hicks. And 
this is not Dallas Keuchel 2015. And this is not Yankees 2015, obviously. I think, what, what is it? Uh, they've scored 11 runs in the, in the previous three games against Keuchel and only four runs in the previous seven uh, starts before that. So this is not the same Keuchel. They have seen him enough. They have confidence against him. Um, and Gardner, with the way he is playing right now, coming off to a homer game, ties the game late. I just want that sort of momentum in the lineup. And yeah. And Hicks uh, did. Hicks got on base. I know in the first inning today, ended up scoring scoring a run early. But, but I don't know. I, I don't like him as the leadoff hitter. I don't. Like I don't him either. As the leadoff yeah, I, hitter batting right. It, it's not. If anything, let's see Glaber Torres there, like we said on the last episode. If you're gonna make that switch and, and, and you're gonna do that at some point, yeah, I think Glaber's such a, a better. And and, uh, and again, like I, I'm I'm also one for not changing things up that are working very well. So I have no problem with Boone. Um, you know, having Glaber down, you know, towards the uh, after all the big guys in the lineup. And, you know, if you want to make that change eventually, I, I think there's something going to be coming with Hicks at some point soon. I mean, he's going to have to I, I know everybody says his, his job is safe. And, and right now it, it probably is. The Yankees are going well. He plays good defense. But there's a redhead dude that's playing really well in Scranton right now. Yeah, it's well. It's already we always we already get tweets and mailbags about when is Clint Frazier going to be called up. But it's you can look at the advanced metrics for Hicks, and you can see. Uh, I'm sure the Yankees. That's why they're they're continuing to stick with him. That his advanced metrics say he should be better than his regular traditional stat line is showing. But how long before? I guess they 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 can't look themselves in the mirror and say, "Well, we we're sticking this guy in the minors who clearly shouldn't be there." We, enough is enough. How long? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to something's going to have to give at some point in in the relatively near future. And you know, I I know that um, after tonight's game, we're recording after the game. We haven't seen any moves yet, but if uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Tyler also was sent down. They were talking about how he was he or Brian Hoke had tweeted out saying that he was here for. He was kept up for this game against Dallas Keuchel and uh, didn't do so hot. Didn't do so hot. Struck out a few times. And uh, so there, there very well could be some corresponding move, whether that's uh, Torres back up or, you know, maybe they, they look at a, a guy like Clint Frazier and see if they can't fit him in somewhere. I think there's, there's some moves that they can do right now to be flexible. And, and Frazier's smoking the ball. Golden sombrero for Tyler Austin. Is this so? You you think this is the this is the would they I mean, send? What is down? He, his last over seven over seventeen? Is that I, th- I thought I saw that number today. It's something like that. He's not been doing great. And yeah, I mean, I, I, you, we we already knew this is this was the big debate over the past uh, you know half a week is is why why did this happen? Well, we all know that it's it's going to be that revolving door. There's something's going to give. They're going to get. They're going to bring up. Uh, either someone's hot or if they need a, a particular spot to fill, you know, there's, there's going to be some, some other things happening with, we got pitchers coming back soon. Uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys that have been injured on the, on the pitching staff are starting to make their, their return. They're starting to, you know, throw again and pitch again. Warren's back uh, throwing again. Uh, we got Montgomery throwing off flat ground. So these things are, things are happening with the pitching staff. There's going to be some, some changes, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if, if Frazier were to come up. And, and Tyler Austin were to get sent down or, or uh, Therese back up. You know, I, well, I think we're going to see a lot of this. The whole reason we had said because Therese got sent down is for this stretch of games where they just want the extra bat in there and the extra arm. And they're not out of this stretch yet. So unless you plan on giving Didi a day off in the next five to seven days, then what, is the, what would be the point of, of calling Ronald Therese back up? He's just going to sit on the bench. 
Right. And and I think that's that's kind of uh, you know alluding to the fact that Clint Frazier might be you know one of those guys. I mean, if you're going to have Tyler Austin up. Uh, and, and you're 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 he's there because of he's a right-handed bat. Well, you could you could definitely play Neil Walker at first base if you needed to, and have him bat there. Yeah. Or you know you, you have him there, or you could bring up Clint Frazier and take advantage of this guy who is uh, on a mission right now and, and trying to uh, to really make an impact and and swinging the bat well. I mean, everything is is going is 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 pointed up for Clint Frazier right now. And it's the opposite right now, I'd, I'd say, for Tyler Austin. So I think Tyler Austin has leveled off a bit from, from what we were. I mean, it, it, was, it was a fun ride, and, and I still think he's a nice player. But um, I, I don't, you know, he's the sum of, uh, of, of what we've been seeing, and he's, just been, he's, he's definitely been struggling, you know, in and out of uh, some little hot streaks. He also didn't play for whatever it was, five days, comes off and strikes out four times against Keuchel and the Astros. So it's not, it's not exactly like he's been in there every day. I'm well, not, that's, but that's the thing. He's going, that's the position he would be in anyway. So true. he would be a backup first baseman, and he would have to play every, you know, whenever they want to get Bird a day off. So, you know, what, four or five days? Every four or five days? That's when he's going to be called upon. So, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And we saw already Tyler Wade couldn't handle that type of guy. I don't think every single player has that in them where they can sit for that long and then, you know, go out there and play. And, I think that's what everybody has such a big had a big such a big issue with Toes because he has proved that he can do that. Yeah, it's not a normal trait to have. It's a very good no, trait. No, yeah, to have. absolutely. No, it's it's tough. Um, another guy not going so hot is Gary Sanchez and really Giancarlo Stanton too. Both struggled uh, over the last homestand, last eight games for Sanchez. He only has two hits, striking out over thirty percent of the time. And that at bat he had on Tuesday night in the ninth inning with the winning run in scoring position, probably the worst at bat of his career. Yeah, it was not good. It was um, he looked lost. He's really looked lost over uh, over his this last span because I mean he's swinging at bad pitches, uh, and and even today with the I mean it was a good piece of hitting. Don't get me wrong. He he got the bat on the ball and, and and basically hit it to where nobody was and drove in two runs. That was a big play in the game. It was a, a great piece of hitting just to make you know that contact and and put the uh, put the ball just play a little game of. Um, uh, of pickle and, and get it to you know an open spot to drive in those runs, but he's still not seen. It doesn't look like he's seen the ball well, and he's certainly not making great contact. So, um, you know, he's got to figure that out. I mean, we're we're, we're starting to see, we're starting to see uh, some some extended cold streaks from Gary Sanchez, and that's not a great thing. I, I'm wondering, I'm hoping that it's um you know just him not finding his groove, but at the same time, you wonder when you see that with a catcher is, are there other things happening or is he fatigued or his legs fatigue? And that's why he's not squaring up all as well. Or, you know, there, there might be other things happening here with uh, just overall fatigue. Well, it was less than two weeks ago. He had that four hit monster game in Kansas city. And then the next day is a Sunday and he's on the bench, not even DHing because Sonny Gray's on the mound. Thanks a lot. Personal catchers. And since then he's been, he's been nowhere to be found. So, I don't know if it's fatigue. He's getting at least one out of every five starts off. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that's why. <laughs> he's, he's not feeling it. He's getting a lot of these starts off. And I know Sonny Gray's been asking for a freaking Austin Romine. Um, but, you know, we've seen Austin Romine a little bit more lately, too. So maybe we can mix this back up, too, and get rid of the. Uh, oh, the no. People want Austin thing. Romine as the starting catcher. It's bad, like 350 or whatever it is. Yeah, and no, I'm saying we need to, we need to throw <laughs> in a uh, little, little Gary Sanchez in with, Austin, with uh, Sonny Gray again. Maybe we could just totally reverse it. Make him the personal catcher for Sonny Gray. Yeah, uh, I'm sure Sonny Gray would uh, also come out after the game and say his stuff is great. Oh, I guarantee you, he absolutely would. He doesn't know anything else. He's such a confident guy. What a confident guy he is. He's so, 
he believes in his abilities so much, even when they go, even when they're bad. Uh, the, we had said this lineup is like slump proof because if one guy's in a slump, the other eight guys are going to pick him up. But there's been times when the middle of the order has kind of been a black hole with Sanchez and Stan, especially on this homestand. Stanton before tonight's game, which I thought he looked a lot better, only had two hits, also striking out a ton. Uh, I, he was robbed of a double in the first inning off Keuchel. That could have actually totally changed um, Keuchel's outing. He ended up going five innings. He could have been knocked out earlier if that ball gets down. But but like we said last time, Stanton goes up there sometimes, like with Sanchez, no approach, just swinging at those breaking balls, and and the opposing pitcher knows it and just keeps throwing it to him, especially in key spots with runners on base. Well, and you're also seeing right-handed right-handed pitchers that have any any even semblance of gas. All they gotta do is throw it up in the zone, and Stanton's not touching it. You saw that. I mean, the scouting report was out on him the last time we played. The uh, the ti- or the Tigers the the Astros in Houston when Verlander was pitching and he went just three straight boom three fastballs up in the zone and Stanton couldn't touch the ball literally could not touch the ball you saw that approach starting to happen uh, with Charlie Morton as well just throwing the ball hard up in the zone he can't touch it for whatever reason he's not able to fet- to to square up or even make contact he fouled one of them off against Morton but make contact with that hard fastball up in the zone. And we know now Charlie Morton throws hard because he chose to. So when you're doing that, it's a it's tough. So he's got some. He's definitely got some. Uh, you know, some a couple different areas that can be exploited right now. And that doesn't make anything. You know, that doesn't make it any easier for him to get back on the uh, on the good side with any consistency when you have two very different pitches and two very different zones that can get you out. Did you hear uh, David Cohen on the broadcast on Tuesday actually give credibility to that? to that claim of Charlie Morton that he just decided to throw the ball uh, fastball more, throw it harder. And that's how he's built up velocity is just doing it more. I did not hear it. He said that you, that's no problem. Yeah. He said that he said that, that that's how it works. You do something more, you get better at it. I guess so. But not when you're 34 years old, there's a, there's another, there's another uh, factor. You in say this. your fastball. Okay. Maybe your fastball goes from 93 to 94. I'll give you 95. He's touching 98 miles an hour. You know, one of the big things that they were because they I don't know if you're, there was an interview with um, with Garrett Cole talking about, you know, coming over and talking about Morton, uh, their time in Pittsburgh together. And how did this happen, this transition? And the number one thing that he went back to and said, the reason why he's doing this now is because we're able to see that uh, him actually pitch healthy and that he had three different years of three different injuries and he just never was really fully healthy and that's what he's giving the credit to he's giving the credit to finally a, a a healthy Charlie Morton that can go out there and throw and you know maybe he's changed those mechanics a little bit so maybe he was throwing under what he could when he was in Pittsburgh who knows or maybe it's the spin rate and whatever they're doing in Houston great great that not looking forward to facing that starting rotation in the playoffs just like we said at the top Let's hope it's at Yankee Stadium, the extra games at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Didi also has been coming around. I thought he's been making better contact, hitting the ball harder. Uh, he looked lost for an entire month. So maybe maybe we just write off May and move on to June, and we get we get something closer to April Didi than May, May Didi. Yeah, I mean, he looked good again today. I think he's, he's definitely squaring the ball up. You can see the he's, – he's just having better swings and better at-bats. And, and uh, yeah, I think we just saw – a 
very very bad month uh, come after one of the hottest months we've seen in um, in a long time. I mean, the guy was out of his mind to start the season. So you expect him to come back down to earth. You don't expect him to plummet and, and just stay in a hole for an entire month. But it, it looks like he's starting to to get back. Um, squaring up the ball, you know, I think once he starts doing that and has that confidence, we'll start seeing him, uh, you know, the, the ball go a little higher and we'll start to see more doubles and, and, and the ball go out of the ballpark. So uh, I'm not worried about Didi at all. I think he is, uh, he's doing just fine. He's not going to be in the three spot very, very much though. I can, I can tell you <laughs> that. Those days are probably over. Yeah. I mean, it, he did, it did well, right? He did well for the time that he was there, uh, when he pushed the envelope. I mean, that's really when it, that's when it started, right? Is when he got into that three spot. Yep. He started. He was on fire, and he just started doing things. That and t-shirt time on uh, on Twitter, and Didi started erupting and hitting all sorts of home runs. So, um, but now we got the true number three hitter that the Yankees have been waiting for, and and really this lineup is just that much better when Bird is in the lineup. It just makes it so much more balanced. It took all of three games for Boone to pencil Bird into that number three spot. Yeah, you knew he was itching to do it. He wanted to do it on game one. He, I mean, he's that guy. He's the guy you want there. Well, that's the, it's the lineup that we were planning for all of spring training. We still have not seen it because I think the day that Bird was in the three spot, Stanton was on the bench. Yeah, we haven't seen the entire thing, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, literally Aaron Boone cannot, at this point, can really not screw things up too badly at all. He could do anything. with. He could literally just throw darts and guys go where they are, and you would have a ridiculous lineup. It's yeah, that good and that stacked. The classic Billy Martin picked the lineup out of a hat. Yeah. Uh, antic. You could. I mean, that literally could happen. Because your number nine hitter, or some days your nine hitter, some days your uh, five you hitter, know, five hitter, some days <laughs> somewhere throwing them in there. I mean, could be could hit anywhere <clears throat> in the lineup. Anywhere. And, and you would be okay with that. Uh, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about CC that if things don't go right, if he's not getting the plays behind him, uh, it's just extra pitches, extra extra stress on him, and, and it's bad. He's going through a rough stretch, and I also think the defense is extra important because he gets a lot of soft contact. So the infield defense is especially key for Sabathia. And when there's errors behind him, it's going to look ugly. But I am here to calm everybody down because he went through two stretches that were even worse than what we're seeing right now last year so in a four start span last april 21st to may 9th four starts he gave up 22 earned runs and then later in the year three starts july 27th to august 8th 12 earned runs so two times where i'm sure if we went back and listened you and i were saying is cc done is cc done no he wasn't done i'm not ready to say he's done right now well, and I think we saw we we were saying that probably because we also saw, you know, the the year before that we saw struggles, and and when you start to see those same struggles, like uh, you know, and and if you if you think back to 2016, we're like, oh man, has he done it? Has he finally turned the corner? Can he do this Andy Pettit transition and actually become a guy that doesn't throw hard and have success? And you know, that was still I think up for debate. There was still some some wondering if CC was able to truly make that transition, and I think we saw. You know, a lot of that. We saw the, the the complete turn of that last year. And so when you start to see him go off the rails a little bit, and given his age and uh, health with the knee, your mind's going to go to places where you're like, well, maybe he can't come back. Maybe he is hurt. Maybe this is it. Because at some point, and you got to believe that at some point with CeCe, unless, he, unless the Yankees win the World Series and he rides off into the sunset and he just finishes the year off, at some point he's going to probably drop off of a cliff. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to just get really bad and, cons- and it's going to stay bad. But we you know, knew that. We yeah. knew that when they signed him to this one-year deal, and, and we're totally fine with that. It's almost like the Yankees and CC are in this to the end. 
I agree, but I, I mean, I don't think we're there by any means. I, I think CC still is competitive, big time, you know, and making making uh, good pitches in big situations. Um, you know, he didn't get help in this particular outing, but I, I think he looked better than he had in the last what three outings where he has been just really bad. So totally, you know, you're looking at a guy who is who has the ability to make any adjustment. I mean, he's probably the most competitive, if not one of the you know top three most competitive guys on this team. He's not going to go out there and, and just not compete. You're going to get a a competitive CC Sabathia every single time you go out there. And as the season goes on, that competitive juice just gets even more and more and more. And to me, he gets better as the season goes on and the pressure and the stakes go up. It uh, it could have been a two-run performance if not for the two throwing errors. One of them was his own error and then Andujar falling down. Yeah, and, and we look at the whole thing totally differently if that happens. But that's, again, that's the thing with CC. If things don't go right... His starts are going to be ugly. On the flip side, Severino, things went right for him tonight, but they don't even have to go right with the way he was throwing <laughs> right. early in this game. Just just the first three innings may have been the best he's ever looked. I mean, one of the one of the key things that I saw tonight was just his demeanor. And I mean, I I cannot stand it when guys are struggling and they and they do these elaborate things. Like Tanaka drives me nuts when he's struggling. He wears it all over himself. Pineda would I would literally want to just like run through the TV when he'd be pitching because he he would show the frustration and emotion. Severino was the exact opposite of that tonight. This dude was loose, showing that he was loose and just like having fun, smiling a lot, pointing at guys like, "Hey, nice play. That was good. That was easy. Let's go." And he he just looked like he had so much confidence, and the ball was coming out of his hands so smoothly and just popping the glove. It was a lot of fun to watch him uh, pitch tonight, and, and just the demeanor and the confidence that he has is uh, is impressive. Well, yeah, it's uh, between a six thirty start time and a Severino on the mound, where he's just like, "Give me the ball, give me the damn ball." We get that ball game over before nine thirty. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I, can, I love dude, it. That is that is that is how you uh, watch baseball getting older, man. That's that's some gr- you really appreciate that, especially when you have to do an hour podcast afterwards. I love it. Sevy's my man right now. I really like those six thirty starts. I think the Yankees should do them every every time. What's the, what's really the difference between six thirty and seven? People are still going to get there for first pitch. Exactly. People will make it happen. They need to just put this through baseball. Uh, make it make it in the off season. Put it in. We're, all the seven oh five games now are going to be six thirty. I like it. It's a big that half hour is a big deal. Yeah, it really is a big. Like, deal. forget that's what we were talking about. Remember, forget forget the pace of play. Just start the games earlier. <laughs> it, well, today was a faster game. I understand that, but it's still it'll help. Just start the games earlier. But it, we won't we won't cry about it if we're if we're uh, if it's a four hour game and it's only ten thirty. That's okay. <clears throat> so what is it do you think about the Houston bullpen that can pitch well against everybody else in the league? Because they rank first in the American League in bullpen ERA at three oh two. And against the Yankees, they are essentially the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. <laughs> Coming into Wednesday's game, gave up 11 runs in 12 innings and 18 hits. A 339 batting average against to the Yankees. I mean, I think, I think one of the biggest things, there, there's two. The Yankees have, you know, have some familiarity with these guys from, from seeing them uh, recently in the seven-game series. They just played them you know, one time this year in Houston. But there's no easy out in this lineup. And... Houston has to, you know, go through that knowing that, you know, after you get, if you get through this guy, there's another big guy behind him and another big guy behind him. They're relentless. They take pitches. They work the at-bats. It's not, there's really no, nowhere that you can just have a, have a nice little breath, throw some, uh, some, some juicers over the, the middle of the plate. 
Like there's nothing there for that. So they're they're putting a lot more pressure on them. And then obviously there's there is a rivalry. There is a, a higher intensity with these games because of what's already happened um, in the postseason with these two teams. So I think all of those things combined just make it that much more uh, of an effort for the Houston pitchers. So. I think you said it, pressure. Because look at the game on Monday. It was a big lead. Davinsky and Giles come in, no problem. Shut the Yankees down. And then the next day out, it's a key situation. The Yankees have a little bit of momentum, and they crap all over themselves. They're not shrivel up. So I think it's 100% pressure. Yeah, and I think I, if we get – I think the Astros are going to add to their bullpen. I think they have to. But uh, if anything, just so the, they can throw somebody else out there against the Yankees and we're not just seeing Ken Giles and Davinsky and Will Harris come out there. But uh, if they go into the playoffs, they're just going to use their, their starters again because that worked for them last time. Yeah, exactly. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at the Yankees. That's, that's the thing about this team is they have – when you have you know, three, four dominant starters – you can use that fifth guy, and then potentially, if you have a, a longer guy that would fill in in the in the rotation, kind of like Colin McHugh or Lance McCullers, they, they pretty much use both of those guys out of the pen. And even uh, um, uh, what's the other kid's name that I can't think of right now? But they they use these guys out of the bullpen at Peacock, and and they were effective against the Yankees. So they do have arms, whether they're in the bullpen right now or not. And that that's one of the things uh, when you're in a long series with them that makes them you know, a lot harder because they do have a lot of different options. And he's not afraid to use any of those guys. Well, a couple of things we're going to see the next time if they do play him in, in the playoffs. First of all, the Yankees are going to see Garrett Cole, which they didn't, which he's been maybe even better than Justin Verlander this year. Uh, and also uh, they're going to add a bullpen arm. And then the Yankees are going to add a starter. And hopefully they're going to have their offense all healthy and clicking, which really hasn't happened yet. That and they'll have their bullpen fully healthy. If like if we're talking about perfect worlds here, and that's what we're that's just what we're talking about. If everybody's healthy and both teams land, uh, you know what we think they're going to get in the in the uh, at the trade deadline, then yeah, you're going to have a, a, a very very potent both sides of the both sides of the diamond, man. I mean, our offense is going to be filthy at that point, and and if it is at the end of the season, everybody's healthy. Good luck. And if these games are in Yankee Stadium, the Yankees are going to be very tough to beat. Yankees go into Baltimore for four games. Uh, Orioles are trash. They have a 17-38 and 38 record as of recording right now. And uh, if Buck Schulter has not cried already this season, I think the Yankees could make him cry this weekend. Although Thursday, Sonny Gray might make you cry. So if you and Buck might be crying. There's going to be a lot of crying if Sonny Gray gets lit up by the, uh, the Orioles. That's... That, that, that park and Sunny Gray... Uh, <laughs> Not a good mix. Just just scares the living hell out of me. I mean, the, the, the Orioles still have guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. There's, there's no doubt about that. They still have um, an offense that could put up some runs on you uh, on any given day. Uh, their pitching staff is trash. It's been trash for, for years. They haven't fixed anything. Um, but, you know, Camden Yards is, is a tough place to play. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those places that has definitely eluded the Yankees at times. But it's also Yankee Stadium South right now. There's going to be a ton of... I mean, if you haven't noticed... Anybody watching, when you're watching the broadcasts, when the Yankees travel, Yankee fans are showing up in freaking groves. Like they're they are loud. It was the Anaheim one was maybe the the biggest Anaheim, but I mean, from from you know, I'd say the last uh, the last few outings, like we saw at Kansas City, it sounded like there were people. There's there's been a lot of Yankee fans all over the place. It's been it's been impressive to me, and to me, it's 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 been noticeably more this year, and and rightfully so. I mean, I get it. If you are a uh, you know New York native, someone from the tri-state area, there's a ton of people that have uh, have moved away. 
you know, you're going to come see this team. They're exciting. They're young. Of course you want to go see them when they're on the road. So they're definitely a hot ticket, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the what the crowd is like at, in Baltimore. But I imagine it's going to be, I'd, I'd say, 60, 40 Yankee fans. Yeah, as it usually is, pretty much. It's going to be there. it's going to be ugly. Yeah, uh, anything less than five out of four wins this weekend is unacceptable from the Yankees. Yeah, they got to take advantage of this. They really do. They got to take advantage of it, just like the Red Sox pounced and, and took advantage of all of those sub five hundred teams they played in the beginning of the season. Yankees got to do the same thing. They gotta they gotta uh, they gotta keep that keep that momentum going up and take advantage of all of these teams that uh, that that should be beat. You know, we're on pace to win over 100 games right now, and they got to keep that, that momentum. I think that's, that's right where they should be. That, that is right where they should be. They should be right around 100 plus. All right, before we get out of here, want to read a mailbag. We don't normally do this on the Thursday shows, but we thought this one was good for, from actually a listener in Japan, right? Oh, he lives in New York now. So this one is from, uh, it's from Rion55. He said, hey, I'm a big fan of the show and always enjoy listening. I'm from Japan and have been a big Yankees fan ever since Matsui joined the team back in 03. And now I'm living in New York City. Since I'm Japanese, I think I can give you guys some Japanese lessons. And this, I, we both could have predicted this as <laughs> you were saying something in Japanese. Uh, it, we're not as good as Gleyber Torres. In, uh, in the latest show, you guys mentioned that Yuarakai is Japanese translation for you are soft. However, is actually used for more like materials are soft or surfaces such as the wall is soft or food is soft. So I would say that yawai or amai is a more accurate way to translating you are soft in Japanese because what we want to tell Otani is that he is mentally weak and both of these Japanese words come uh, cover this meaning. So the next time he comes to New York, just scream at him, yawai or amai. Thanks, guys, for the great show. I love uh, it. It's actually easier to say and easier to remember. So yes. I will not forget that now. Uh, perfect. Rion55, perfect mailbag. Thank you for submitting that. Uh, and I don't know if you saw, but t- uh, I almost said Tanaka. Otani needed a whole three extra days for that workload management before starting against the crappy Detroit ti- uh, Tigers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got to. That's, that's, um, that's a big three days. You know, you got to make sure the guy's ready to go and um, going up going up against a uh, subpar team and <clears throat> making sure that everything is, is catering to him. Got to do it. Yo, why? Yo, why am I, Otani? Okay, if you guys want to submit mailbag questions for the next show, which we will answer, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, and you can also do so uh, by following the show on Twitter at Yankees Podcast and joining the Facebook group, The Bronx Pinstripe Show. Also, call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. We have not done voicemails in quite a long time. So if we get a good batch this week, we will do those on the next show. Rate and review the show in iTunes. Give us a five-star review and rating. Make it funny. Make it sincere. Make it whatever you want to be. You'll be entered to win a T-shirt. We will pick a winner for the next show. And last but not least, June 29th tickets against the Red Sox is our next BP Crew event. Those are on sale now. Those tickets are going to be hot. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. Go get them now on the fan shop. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? Yeah, so those tickets are, are there. We are going to do the deal again uh, for 10+. plus. The uh, This is a premium game for the Yankees, so they charge us a lot more money for these tickets. Uh, so we're doing, if you are captain, uh, you set up a, a group of 10 or more, your ticket is on the house. So 
get your get your friends together, get this group together because it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and again, if you're the guy that sets up or girl who sets up uh, your friends, and there's ten or more of you in the group, just sign up or send me an email, and I'll get you a code for your ticket to be free. Um, but yeah, uh, it's going to be uh, that game is going to be ridiculous. It's a Friday night atmosphere. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the start of the Fourth of July week, so most people are probably going to be off from work that entire next week. I'm going to be off from work that entire next week. It's going to be a hell of a lot. There you go. Drink them while you got them. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.